Hi and welcome to Personal Finance with Full Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode five and on our journey so far, we've looked at redundancy, financial planning for those of us with young or growing families, mortgages in 10 steps to buying your new home and income protection insurance. Now, if you missed any of those, I would urge you to go back and take a listen. There's a heap of good advice. Search Personal Finance with Full Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. And please remember to rate and review us and subscribe. And that way, you'll never miss an episode again. It'll drop for you every week, box fresh. So today, we're dealing in depth with retirement and pensions and your options at retirement. Um, Phil, for, for a lot of us, myself included, a pension is something that we pay towards every month, but it feels so far away. It's kind of like the promised land. Everything there we reckon is perfect if we could only reach it. And in the meantime, you know, we don't think too much about it. That being said, I know a bit of the rules around pensions have changed in recent years, something like um, how old you have to be when you can access a pension, uh, and the qualifying ages for estate pensions have gone up as well. So give us a quick recap of all of that, if you could. That's right. At, at the minute, you can access your pension from age 55, but that's going up um, in 2028. So in eight years' time, um, that rises up to 57. So so at the moment, you can, if, as soon as you turn 55, if you wanted to, you, if you've got a personal pension, you can access at that age. Might be a bit different if you've got a, a company pension scheme, but on on the personal pensions, um, at the minute from age fifty five, you can draw them, but it is rising up to age fifty seven. With the state pension, the it used to almost be in the past that the default pension age was sixty five, but that's also been increased um, over the years. I know I'm I'm age forty three at the moment and my state pension age is now 67 so um, it's going up and then I think the, the plan is to get the state pension age up to, to 68 it's something that they're always reviewing and as, as people are living longer they, on average that's one of the things the government are saying right how can we afford to, to kind of fund this and they're gradually putting the, the pension ages up but if, if you want to check your pension age you can go online and um, the, the government have got pension calculators there that they can and tell you exactly when you'll get your your state pension from um, on there. Yeah, as people are living longer and we can't afford to, to pay all these pensions, let's kill them off by working them into the grave at an earlier age. <laughs> That's how it seems anyway. Um, again, I suppose there's variation here and maybe a distinction where we can we can draw a line between being employed and self-employed. Uh, if you're self-employed, presumably you should set up your own pension. Will you get one from the state as well? Still get the state pension as well. So anyone that's self-employed will will still get the state pension. The, the state pension is all based on how much national insurance contributions you've paid over the years. So it is dependent on that. But um, generally, self-employed folk will pay a different class of national insurance contribution, but they will still get the, the state pension off the, the back of that as well. The, the one thing that self-employed people don't have is, unlike if you're an employee, you're, you're going to be auto-enrolled into a pension scheme at your work. Now, the one thing that someone who's self-employed doesn't have is they're, they're not automatically being enrolled in a pension. So um, you probably, for, for someone self-employed, I would say it's very important to, to kind of look at your pension provision and say, right, how are you going to fund your income in retirement? Okay, um, so moving on, um, you get a few choices you can make at retirement. Um, what are the main options? You've got, I mean, like with, with pensions, you've got the accumulation stage when you're 
younger and working, you're accumulating a pot to, to fund your retirement. And then once you get to the like older life, that's when at that point you're looking to almost decumulate and maybe draw money from your pension. So there's a few different options. In, in the past, in years gone by, the, the main option would have been that someone would purchase what was called an annuity. But nowadays, there's an awful lot more flexibility these days for people with their pension pot. Let's look at that anyway, um, first of all, and then we, we can look at some others. What exactly is an annuity then? Probably the easiest way to describe an annuity is you, you've built up a, a sum of funds in your pension and then basically you, you give that money to, say, an insurance company. So they've, they've got all your money and then they guarantee to pay you an income from that pot for the rest of your life. So the, the level that they'll pay out is all dependent on things like your age, annuity rates are a, a big factor, the size of your fund is going to be a factor there, and also the different options. So like most, most annuities would be paid out on a monthly basis, but you can take it on a annual basis, six monthly, there's different options there. The other thing with annuities, the annuity rates, the amount that you get is all based on like your, your life expectancy. Um, and also annuity rates tend to mirror interest rates. And at the minute, interest rates are, are very low. So the annuity rates are, are pretty poor at, at the minute. So a lot of people look at them and think, oh, it's not really good value. So you, you're basically taking your pot of money, giving it to a company, and then they're saying, right, for the rest of your life, we'll pay you X amount on a certain basis for that time. Um- Presumably, unless they've got Mystic Meg on the calculator there, they can't, they can't exactly figure out when. I mean, they can make a best educated guess, but yeah. they can't to the date say, you're going to die then. So that means we're going to calculate this much per month or this much every six months. Um, what happens if there's money left over in the pot? Basically, that goes. I mean, you, you can build in. One thing with an annuity is you can build in some guarantees. So you may say, right, we, we can put in a guarantee period of say five years or 10 years. So, so if you died like the day after you purchased an annuity, that would represent really poor value because you're, you've given them all of your pot and you've not had any like a monthly payout from it. Whereas if, if you build in like a guarantee, you could say, right, we'll build in a 10 year guarantee. So if you died after one year, you've still got the payment will go to whoever for the next nine years thereafter. You can also build in spouses' pensions as well. But again, that's going to impact on the amount that you get per month. So if if you were married and you thought, right, I've got a husband or wife, I want to, if I die, I want them to get 50% of the the pension paid out for the rest of their life. Again, the, the companies are going to look at that and say, right, on average, how long would we expect a couple to live and because that would be longer they're then going to pay out less per month and it used to be in days gone by annuities were the the most popular option that people would go for but um, a few years back pension freedoms came in and that was when Mm. I would say like drawdown is a more popular option but we'll touch on that in in just a few moments 
Yeah, so the, the risks attached to the annuity, you kind of covered them there. Are you taxed on the monthly income? If you're getting it paid monthly, do you get taxed on that income? The, the income from an annuity is just taxed as if it was pay as you earn. So they right. can say, right, what earnings do you have coming in? And it's just taxed on, on that way. One, one other thing that's important to kind of note, a lot of people didn't really, didn't realise this, but your state pension's taxable as well. But because we've got the... Your, your personal allowance, you're allowed to make a set amount each year without paying tax. That's why it, it's usually paid without any deduction of tax because they take that in as the part of the, the first amount that you can make without paying tax. But a lot of people didn't realise that the state pension is actually taxed tax as well. Because they're not getting enough to, to breach that, yeah. Okay, so um, next, let's look at uh, a drawdown pension. What does that mean, Phil? How, how does it differ from our first example there of annuities? With, a, with, with drawdown, what basically happens is you, you've built up your pot at that point, you've then, you, you can invest the money and you can just draw down from it as and when required. Now, unlike an annuity, I guess one, one advantage of an annuity is that you've got a guaranteed income for life. You know that that's not changing. So the, the downside with an annuity is that if you didn't live for a long time, the company's maybe got your money and it's, it ends up being poor value. But I guess the advantage with an annuity is you've got a guaranteed income for life, whereas if you're in drawdown, you don't have that guarantees. So in, in drawdown, generally what will happen is the money is invested. If if you invest in areas that do very well, great, you, you could sort of do well from that. Um, one of the downsides there is that if you start drawing out too much and it's not growing enough, you could end with a, an income that reduces in the future. So it, it's good to look at all the, the kind of pros and cons of and, and, and kind of see. It's a it sounds kind of like a, a slightly more accessible ISA where someone's investing your money for you and, and, and sort of looking after it and putting it here and there. Yeah, I mean, I guess like we're, we're drawdown. So the, you, you've got, you can take 25%. If you've got a personal pension, usually you can take 25% of it as a, a tax-free lump sum. And that's the same way with an annuity as well. If, if you've got built up a pot in a personal pension, most of them will allow you to take 25% as a, a tax-free lump sum. And then the rest of the money you can use to either do an annuity and purchase a guaranteed income for life, or you can leave the money invested and draw out of it. You, you can do a combination of the two as well. So some people might say, right, I want to do an annuity for so much to guarantee that that's the part that will pay my bills. And then they may say, I'll keep the rest invested and, and then just draw out of it as and when required. Mm. One of the downsides, so, I mean, if you take out, well, you, you've got your 25% tax-free part, but if, if you then start drawing out more than that, that is taxable as income as well. So, for example, let's say you get someone who wants to take the whole lot out the downside there is that um, they, they would then be taxed heavily on taking the whole thing out. So one advantage I draw down is you can, from a tax point of view, you, you can actually say, right, my income, I maybe got so much coming in, so I, I want to take a wee bit out now and then maybe in the future you might want to take more out. So um, you're a lot more flexible. Um, if you were paying a lot of tax now, you might think, right, I don't want to take too much out at the minute, but I'll maybe take more out when my tax rate drops at some point in the future. So there's pros and cons to, to kind of each, each there. 
It actually sounds an awful lot more complex than, than I thought it might be. You know, I, I just... It sounds a bit more complex. No, 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 no. It's just that the, the, I didn't realise there were so many options. It, it, I... Um, I kind of, I've not really given it enough thought, Phil. This is the thing. So, you, you know, you just see it as um, somewhere that's far off, it's in the distance, you've got a pot of money saved up, and then once you get there, it's, uh, you know, it's casino time or, or, or whatever. But there are actually a, a lot a lot of things to consider. And we haven't even covered um, scheme pensions, which you might be a part of. What are those? I mean, you, you've got, I mean, I, so far I've been trying to touch more on, like, personal pensions, but, but you find that some people will be in maybe like an old final salary scheme. They, they used to be almost classed as your gold-plated pensions. And the, the final salary schemes were expensive for companies to, to kind of keep going. And that's why there's not that many of them available now. For any joining companies, it's rare that they tend to get put into a final salary scheme these days. But they basically, that the way that worked is... This, the company would say, right, what is your salary at the end of your employment with us? And they would then say, right, you'll get a certain percentage of that when you retire. So they, they were expensive for the company. So you may get a scheme pension where they'll pay you an income again for the rest of your life. Um, and it might have like spouse's benefits included at a certain level. Um, usually there'll be the option to take a tax free lump sum from them at some point as well. Um, so we've got drawdowns, scheme pensions, uh, annuities, anything that I'm missing out on at this point, there or are those the main ones? Things like I, I could go more in depth, but you've got like different types of annuities. So you've got annuities that say level, you've got annuities that rise with inflation, you've got fixed term annuities. It really is a, a minefield, but there's so much options out there. But, what I tend to find is that these days, more people like the flexibility of drawdown and also it's got better death benefits as well. Um, that, that's one thing, whereas if you're under the age of 75 and you were to die, your pot will get paid out as a tax. If you're in drawdown, your pot gets paid out as a tax-free lump sum to who you want it to go to. So there, there's probably better death benefits with, with drawdown. Um, once you're over 75, um, there's different kind of rules apply at that point. But again, the death benefits are still better than, than what they would have been had you purchased an annuity at the outset. There are two things that are sort of crossing my mind as I'm listening to you. And, and one of them is that this is a little bit more complex than I thought it might be. Um, the other is that by the time I reach pensionable age, I think possibly um, I'm going to view my time as being on a golf course and, and not sat in, in an office speaking with a financial advisor asking at that point, you, you kind of need to do this now, I assume, if you're um, you know, heading that direction. It's good, like... I mean, I, I, one thing I always recommend to people is you should be reviewing your retirement plans quite regularly. Like, are you paying in enough to a pension? Um, like the tax relief that's available. Um, how much are you going to need when you retire? Put, put, like, I mean, at that point, you would separate and say, right, what's your essential outgoings? What would be more discretionary? Um, so there's so many factors, but you want to see where's my money invested? Um there's so many things to review, but it's also looking at it and saying, right, what's going to be the best options for you when you, you get closer to retiring? For example, if someone's in really poor health, they, they can qualify for an enhanced annuity. So the companies, so I get smokers tend to get better annuity rates because on average, they're going to live less than a 
a non-smoker. So there's so many different factors to, to take into account. And that's where a, a good professional advisor can, can come in. So if you're sitting down with a financial advisor, they can look at all that sort of things, um, look at all the different options that's available for you. They can also recommend different products as well. They, one thing to note, the, the government do have something called PensionWise. Um, that's a website, they, I think it's just pensionwise.gov.uk is the, the address for that. Um, but you can actually speak to, they, they've got, um, I, I wouldn't really call them financial advisors because they're not sort of fully qualified the way that a, a financial advisor would be, but they can give you sort of guidance just to point you in the right path to say, right, would you like this? Would you like that? It's almost like a decision tree sort of thing and, and they, they'll kind of explain a wee bit about all, some of the different options and how they, they work but they're not actually giving you a, a recommendation to say look this is going to be what's best for, for yourself whereas a financial advisor would do that and also they can look at the, the best they, let's say you think right Drawdown is the best company or the, sorry the best thing for you rather than an annuity a financial advisor would then say right who's going to be the best company to invest your money with. Likewise, with an annuity, if, if you purchase an annuity, a financial advisor can say, right, who's going to give you the best rates for your circumstances? Um, so I, I would say it's good to take financial advice, uh, especially as you get closer to retirement, to look at all these different options. There is a point every, in every podcast that we do that we reach, and I, I can't say it's an exact minute, but there is a point in every podcast where I make a mental note to phone Phil after the podcast is finished and make an appointment about whatever we're talking about that week. Um, you mentioned you can now take a tax-free lump sum. I think you said 25%. Was it something like that? Yeah. You do get some older pensions where you can take a bigger lump sum than, than the 25%. But if you've got a personal pension, generally you can take 25% of that as a tax-free lump sum. Which is a big temptation. I mean, you start to imagine sports cars and holidays, but but should you take the tax-free lump sum? On, I, I generally tend to find if, if someone's... There may be reasons why they wouldn't, but in a lot of cases, you could take that money and then invest it into, let's say, just ISAs, for example, or into something where the income you're getting from that is then tax-free, whereas out of a pension, it's taxable. So, again, that, that's where a good financial planner can sit down and, and look at all the, the various options to see, right, what's going to be best for your circumstances. There may be occasions where you might think, for example, if someone's got a big inheritance tax liability, you may say, right, let's not take the tax-free cash because if you keep the money in the pension pot, generally personal pensions would pass free of inheritance tax if you had a, a liability for that. So it's good to sit down, look at everyone's circumstances individually, and then look at all the different pros and cons of all the, the different options that's out there. But I do agree with you, there's so many different options, and it's no wonder people get baffled by it all. No, I know. Uh, is it possible also, when we're talking about this tax-free lump sum, which I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm obsessing about, yeah. but <laughs> the tax-free lump sum, can I, can I take that without taking an income from a pension as well? On personal pensions, you can. If, if you were in like a final salary pension scheme, tax-free lump, if you take a tax-free lump sum from that, if it's available, generally that'll get paid out at the same time as you start to draw an income. So on the final salary schemes, it, it's not so possible to do whereas on a personal pension once you hit age 55 you might think right I want to take my tax free lump sum out and then just leave the rest I don't need an income at the minute once you start drawing an income 
you've then to watch because then that restricts how much you can pay into a pension again and get tax relief on it. So let's say you're 55, you, you take your tax free lump sum, fine. But if you then start to draw an income from your pension, it reduces the amount that you can pay in a pension each year and get tax relief to £4,000. So the, again, there's kind of implications there as well. Um, and what about the idea of, of um, reaching the age where you're going to take your pension and trying to take it all as lump sum, like a pool's win or cashing in your chips at the casino? Well, like, uh, you can do it. I've seen people do it. But potentially you can end up paying an awful lot of tax. Some, some of our financial advisors' role now is like as you get nearer retirement, it, it, it's a bit of a tax planning role as well because if someone comes in and says, I want to take the whole lot out as a lump sum, I, I would then say, right, how much tax are you going to pay on that? And it's like, right, do you really need it all in one go? Can you take it over a few years rather than all in one go? Because... I guess with the best will in the world, a pension pot is to fund somebody's retirement. It's not really, I mean, now that we've got the pension freedoms, you will get folk thinking, oh, I want to take this money out, go on the holiday of a lifetime or or buy a big fancy car with it. So um, it's uh, like you're uh, in my mind. (laughs) I mean, one thing I'm looking to do myself at the minute, I mean, I'm I'm ramping up my pension payments and I, I actually think, right, when I get to the age, well, at that point, it will be 57 when uh, when I can take it out. But I'm thinking I could take that lump sum and use it to pay off my mortgage. Um, it's very tax efficient for me to, to, to kind of do that. So that, that's kind of like my own sort of plan there. But for, for other people, like it, we've touched on a few of the podcasts in the past, like folk being in the unfortunate position where they're redundant. But one of the things with, with that is if, if you're made redundant and you've absolutely no savings or anything, if you're over the age of 55, you might think, right, I might want to try and get my tax free cash out or mm. I might want to draw a bit out of my pension. So it's good that people have got that option there. But the downside is you don't really want to be, the, the more you take out, the less you've got later on another thing with pay, the, the flexibility with pensions that's probably quite good is that some people would argue and say right when I first retire let's say you, you retire at 65 you're going to be fitter at 65 than you are at 75 or 85 so you will get some clients that I speak to or in, in the past and I used to be an advisor I, I would speak to folk and they'd say now nah, I do want to take more out now and I'm aware that I'll have less in the future they then think I'm likely to be less fit at say 85 if I'm still around so I won't need as much money at that point so you've got different philosophies from different people as well and some will live for a day and spend it others are thinking no I want to make sure my lifestyle is good going forward mm-hmm. um, just to take you back to that point where you said you know um, redundancy because it, it, it is a, a huge shadow that sort of hangs over everyone just now the idea of redundancy if you reached 55 um, and you made redundant um, and you, you access that that pension. Can you take lump sum to tide you over? And if the, the jobs market picks up and you didn't intend to retire, can you go back into work again without um, yeah, changing the, the pension? Income from it, if you're just taking the tax-free lump sum, that doesn't have 
an impact on you continuing to pay in that pension in the future. Um, you, you can, I mean, same as well when you get nearer retirement. You, for some people, they think, I won't want to stop altogether. Do you like what's called phased retirement, where you can say, right, I'll draw maybe the, the tax-free amount. You, you don't have to take it as a, a lump sum. You can take that as a monthly amount as well. So there's right. lots of different options. And you might think, right, I'll take so much of that out to kind of supplement my income and I'll maybe start working part-time. So th- th- there's a lot of flexibility yeah. with it. Great. Yeah, I mean, some people don't actually like the idea of retirement or at least a, a complete stop. And I can see merit in that. You know, the fear is you stop altogether and you age all of a sudden. More and more often now, you'll see like an older checkout assistant at the supermarket when you're doing your shopping. Um, so I go down that route. I, I can supplement my pension income. I don't need so much out. I can take out less and, as you say, phase my pension over time as I choose. Um, now, assuming you aren't um, filthy stinking rich, um, Phil, what's the best layout of a pension plan to your mind? See, if, if someone's like really wealthy, um, like I mentioned, if inheritance tax, for example, uh, well, one good thing there is that they, by having the pension, generally it'll tend to pass to someone free of inheritance tax. The, the other good thing for, for someone that's really wealthy, like if you've got a really good income and you're a higher rate taxpayer, if you pay money into a pension, you're getting tax relief at the highest rate. So so it's great. Like I, I, That's where pensions are really advantageous for folk um, earning a lot of money. The, the other thing to be aware, I mean, the government, they, they always go on it. Every, every time a budget comes comes around, they're always like, oh, the government might do away with it, higher rate tax to save money. So legislation can change, but as things stand at the minute, it's like if, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, paying in that pension is great because you're getting tax relief at, at the higher rates on, on that as well. So um, that would be the main advantages of paying in that pension. It's rainy day stuff, isn't it? Um, and if you're if you're not so well off, um, again, the, the the best layout for a, a pension plan if you're earning an average income, what what would you suggest? Well, good because you're getting like if if you're paying in a pension nowadays, you've got the auto enrolment, so the, the employer's contributing something into it if you're employed, and you're you're getting tax relief on on the contributions as well, but. With, with that, I mean, that, that would be, at some point we'll do a podcast on like accumulating a pension. Today's more about like decumulating where you're like drawing the money kind of out of it. But um, as you say, there's so many different options between like annuities, drawdown. It, it really is. I mean, one, one of the downsides with drawdown is that like if, if you withdraw your money out, you've got no money to live on other yeah. than maybe state pension or, or things like that. So um, is that there's kind of, pros and cons to, to all the different options that's out there. Okay. Uh, just a quick heads up on this. We'll mention it more in a second, but you have got a booklet that covers pretty much everything we've been talking about today, haven't you, Phil? Yeah, that's it. We, we've got like a, a retirement options booklet, which is really good. Jeepers, it must be about 25 pages long. So it's quite in-depth, but it, it's excellent because it gives you, you... You'll get some folks that'll think, I want to look into this in a, a lot of detail. And it's a big decision to make and but they we, we've tried to do it in quite simplified language for for folk as well so um that, that's a booklet that we can give um, your retirement op- options explained and um it's free of charge we don't we, we can pass that out to people and it, it gives them a lot of information in there quite a bit of which we've, we've touched on today 
Uh, each week so far, we, we've covered a variety of topics, including redundancy, financial planning for young or, or growing families, mortgages and income protection insurance. Uh, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. Um, I wonder if you've got anything for us this week, Phil, concerning retirement and pensions and uh, options uh, for uh, retirement. Are, are you planning on this anytime soon? See, I enjoy working. And, um, <laughs> this for me, like... My work's my life. I, I really, I've got my own business. So I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy helping people. I couldn't just uh, like I'm. I'm 43 at the minute, so I've got quite a few years until I think about sort of retiring. But I, I must admit, I, I kind of think, yeah, if if I was maybe at some point in the future, it'd be nice to work less and then kind of just like phase into it but I always find it hard just stop and bang all in one day stop and then that's it but some people that's exactly what they want to do but you have goals as to what you want to achieve in retirement like for me I'm, I'm a big American football fan and I do think it's like oh it'd be nice to have a a place over in Denver, the team that I support, spend a few months over there when the American football season's on, go to a lot of the games. And uh, for others, it might be, oh, what is they have? It's all day home in Spain. Or, it, it, it's good to think, right, what do I want when I, I retire? Because hopefully you're retired for quite a long time. Um, and, and that's when you've got, you're got you not having to work. So it's like a yeah, permanent holiday. But you're thinking, right, how am I going to fund kind of this? So it's good to think what you want at that stage but I know for me I'm thinking yeah nice to keep working like for a, a while yet and and just gradually someday phase into the retirement I like to just stop no, well, I mean, you, you could easily be in your your, your apartment in uh, in Denver and uh, and on Zoom meetings half the time from <laughs> from Colorado the, the world's changing and like these days we're, we're more being done like in Zoom and online um, and it is, that, that's one thing like at the minute people can do face-to-face meetings like this and it, it's great um, so uh, things are changing quite quite rapidly and the world as it is today quickly, by the time I retire in maybe 20 odd years time I can see it being totally different at yeah. that point Oh. Uh, we always do this bit as well, Phil. You, you, you find inspiration through through various people that you admire, and uh, we know that you're a fan of of an inspirational quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on options at retirement? The, this quote's a one. I didn't think anybody's ever been attributed to this one, so I think it's an anonymous quote. But I thought it was quite good for for sort of retirement. So it says. After climbing the mountain, you're going to finally enjoy the view. And I thought that was quite a good one for retiring because you've kind of climbed the mountain, earning, and then once you get to retirement, it's like, right, let's just enjoy, let's enjoy this. And let's hope that's mountain, that mountain's a bit like Scrooge McDuck's where he's just climbing up all the coins to the top and then he sits on top of his money pile when you've got your pension. <laughs> Okay, Phil, um, to summarise on this episode, pensions, retirement, your options at retirement, the, the takeaway points pretty much all covered in that, in that booklet you produced, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if anyone wants a, a copy of that, we, we can email it to them, so um, or we could post it out. The, the, there's either or, whatever's best. Okay, uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. Phil is uh, really keen, though, on trying to help you with your financial queries, whether it's on the subject we're talking about that week or not. If you want to email a question to us, please feel free to do so. And as always, you can ask them anonymously if you wish. Uh, let's get on to this week's, uh, like I say, contact details coming up. I'll go over that for you if you'd like a copy of that booklet on pensions as well. Chosen a couple of questions 
questions to focus on here, one to do with pensions, uh, the other on redundancy again, which is obviously a subject, regrettably, that is uh, coming into more and more of our lives. Uh, we'll deal with the pension one first, simply because it's the topic that we're covering today. It's from Colin McPhail in Imbruri, who says, Hi, Phil, uh, I listened to your podcast, find it very helpful. I may be in touch soon because actually the pandemic has been very kind to me financially. My company hasn't had to furlough anybody at all. And in fact, uh, I'm making more than ever. Whilst the going is good for me and I have more disposable income, should I be paying more into my pension or invest in something else? So someone who's actually got a bit of, uh, of money to, to invest, should he just simply pay it into his pension or maybe something else? I guess, again, there's, there's sort of pros and cons. And what I was thinking of the, the back of this question is next week we, we can do the podcast on like pensions versus ISAs. Um, I thought that was a good topic to, to cover. I mean, just as, as a quick one, I mean, like a, the good thing about paying in a pension is you get tax relief added to, to your contribution. And um, the downside is that that money's then away for, for longer term. If you're not far off the tie, then you might think, yeah, let's pay it in there, get the tax relief, and then we can draw it back out at some point in the future. The downside is if you're a bit younger, that money's then away for quite a number of years. ISAs are good because they pay if you so they, any gains you make from that are tax free. So that's the, the main advantage with maybe putting money in an ISA as opposed to the, the pension, and they're a lot more accessible as well than, than pensions. But the downside is you don't get the tax relief on the contribution. So again, it's probably looking at it from an individual point of view. You would take into account things like what's someone's age, what's their plans, will they need the money? So it's quite a number of factors, but um, I thought a good subject for our next podcast would be pensions versus ISAs okay. and, and kind of the, the pros and cons of, of each. Okay. Uh, and question two is uh, from Jill in West Hill, which is not one that I made up, I promise you, uh, who asked, Phil, I've been offered redundancy by my company. I'm 52. The deal seems generous. I own two properties, a house that I live in and a flat which I lease out. With the settlement and the income from the flat, I can just about get by. Do you, A, think I should take the plunge, and B, is there any way I can make my finances work harder for me? Crikey questions you get asked I, I would say like I, I suppose only the individual can decide like if they felt that they should you know take the, the plunge or no but if you felt it was affordable I mean I guess you've always at, at that kind of age you've got the option of maybe like getting a, a part time work depending on what you're doing I, I would recommend sitting down and, and kind of having a financial review and, and that would kind of see if, if your money could work harder for you mm-hmm. as well um, it'd be good to say right what have you got pension wise looking at things from a tax point of view so for example if you've got two properties um, I know like if you've got mortgages on it we, an, an advisor can have a look at that can you save money on there if there's no mortgages it's like right can, can that maybe be set up let's say can you set up a limited company to own that properties and would that be more tax advantageous rather than it being in your sole name? So the good to, I'd probably say the best thing is just to sit down, have a, a kind of financial review and, and see what ways you could get your money working harder and then that might help if you can get 
keep working harder. That may help with the decision as to whether you're going to keep working or not. And just a question which crosses my mind there, Phil, as we're talking. Um, I know, <laughs> I know from personal experience with my own father that as he got older, there would be letters that would come into the house and he'd go, "Oh, I forgot about that one," and it would be another little payout. Um, yeah. Over the years, if we work for different people or if we, we set up different plans or whatever um, and they mature, we, you know, we'll, we'll get a letter that will say, yeah. you know, hopefully it's a, a nice sunny day uh, and you get news about, about money. If I come to a financial advisor, is there a button that you can press on your computer that says everything is in my name and you can find it for me? We can try and, and help you. There is... Um... <clears throat> like a pension tracing service. So that's something, I mean, when somebody moves home, quite often the, the one thing that they don't notify is a change of address to like insurance companies, pension providers. So the amount in missing pensions is just crazy. Um, so yeah, that, that's something that like a financial advisor would be able to help someone with. Um, if you typed in, I think, pension tracing service, you'd be able to find details that you could go on and, and have a look at, at that as well. But it is, it's uh, another thing, if you do have the policy details, a financial advisor can, can send away what's called a letter of authority. Basically, they can then write to the company with your consent to say, right, how much have you got in there? Where's the money invested? What's the charges on your plan? They can get all the information. At what age do they start paying out the money? Does your plan have guaranteed annuity rates? There's so many questions that a financial advisor would ask the, the companies um, for at that point. So, yeah, they, there's a lot that, that someone could help with. With that. Uh, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, there is a chance we may have covered it in depth in a previous episode. Uh, there's a real vault of knowledge to be explored in those full details for where you can find them in just a second. I'm John Mellis. Thank you for joining us today for Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything that we've been discussing uh, or anything else of a monetary matter, or to get a free copy of that book that Phil's produced, Your Retirement Options Explained, find... Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online and on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I said, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that is what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, you can rate and recommend us. And please subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You got all the links, like I say, uh, that you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, John.